Dominus Fabiscum. Lexio Sancti Evangelii secundo Matteum. Jesus said to his disciples, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure buried in a field, which a person finds and hides again, and out of joy goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant searching for fine pearls. When he finds a pearl of great price, he goes and sells all that he has and buys it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net thrown into the sea, which collects fish of every kind. When it is full, they haul it ashore and sit down to put what is good into buckets. What is bad, they throw away. Thus it will be at the end of the age. The angels will go out and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. Do you understand all these things? They answered, Yes. And he replied, Then every scribe who has been instructed in the kingdom of heaven is like the head of a household who brings from his storeroom both the new and the old. Verbum Domini. Please take a moment, make sure your cell phone is turned off. Apaganos telefonos edulares, por favor. As I mentioned before, if someone arrived now or later in the Holy Mass and stayed even to the final blessing, they would not fulfill their obligation to attend Holy Mass on Sunday. The gospel is an essential part of the Holy Mass. It cannot be skipped. But after this Mass, mass there is a Mass at uh, 8 o'clock. Please turn to page 2 in the bulletin. We're going to go quickly, so... Um, these five documents, you've seen them before, but um, take a second look. Um, the oldest document is from 2001. They were all written by St. John Paul II. Pope Benedict, of course, helped him along the way. Uh, but look at number one. In, in English, it means on the, be on the beginning of the new millennium. H here, uh, St. John Paul II promotes the liturgy of the hours, adoration, the rosary, and frequent confession. Then you could read those other documents, and you could also, for example, number um, number four. Here, uh, St. John Paul II promotes a uniform standard for all that touches the holy sacrifice of the Mass. Now, a lot of those terms, like liturgy of the hours and holy sacrifice of the Mass and, oh, um, adoration, those may be terms which you don't recognize. That's why page three, there's a key. So if you're not familiar with terms you find in the bulletin, go back to page three and see if you can find information there. Uh, turn to page four now at the very top. You see, yesterday, uh, July 26th, was the feast of St. Joachim and St. Anne, the grandparents of Jesus. Now right across from me is Our Lady Guadalupe, and above her you see those beautiful roses and the the two most beautiful roses over there, of course, are mother and daughter. That's St. Anne and the child Mary. Um, 
The, uh, that's, that statue happens to belong to St. William. It's a beautiful statue. So um, yesterday was the feast of the grandparents of Jesus, the parents of Our Lady. So uh, the traditional names given to the parents of Our Lady, St. Joachim and St. Anne, though it's not mentioned in the Gospels. We do know she had parents. We just don't know if those are their names. I would go ahead and say those are just as good as any, so why not just refer to them for the sake of reference. The cover of the bulletin is of St. Anne and the child Mary. Now, on page four, look at the bottom of page four. Tomorrow, July 28th, today, 100 years ago, World War I began. So World War I began yesterday. Um, friends, it caught everybody flat-footed. June the 28th, the Archduke was assassinated. Uh, Franz Ferdinand uh, was assassinated. One month later, the world is going up in flames. Friends, it would not be a surprise to you or to me if something like this broke out today. Our Lady in 1917 said, pray the rosary every day for an end to wars. Of course, we're all doing it, right? We need to. We need to. I don't want to see a war uh, anywhere in the world. Um, so let's do what we can. Let's pray the rosary every day. Uh, you see there on page 5 at the top, it says Tuesday, July 29th. Today is the feast of St. Martha of Bethany. I love St. Martha. I, I love St. Martha only because she changed. I didn't like St. Martha when she was cooking and banging those pots and pans and trying to put a guilt trip on Jesus. <laughs> Boy, she must be the queen of guilt trips. <laughs> she was going to try to pack his bags and send him on a guilt trip. And Jesus transformed her. She stopped with the guilt trip stuff. And when we see her at the death of her brother Lazarus, she is a totally transformed woman. I love St. Martha, the sister of St. Mary Magdalene, the sister of St. Lazarus. So look on page five. At, so it said Thursday, July 31st. Today is the feast of St. Ignatius of Loyola. He's the founder of the Jesuits. Now, I know many good Jesuits. And I said that just as a Jesuit would say it. I know many good Jesuits. Did I say all Jesuits are good? Uh-uh. <laughs> because the Jesuits themselves would probably deny most Jesuits, not the good ones. But, oh, sorry, I'm revealing myself there. Uh, a lot of Jesuits would say they don't believe in absolutes, and they would say it absolutely. <laughs> so many Jesuits, I know, are very good. Father Pack being right there at the top of the list. Well, uh, he got bumped recently from the top of the list. Uh, what's his name? Oh, yeah, Pope Francis is a Jesuit. He's at the top of the list. <laughs> he was influenced by St. Ignatius of Loyola. He is a Jesuit. Um, and then we have a first Friday and a first Saturday um, coming up. So way back there in the back of the bulletin on page um, 10, you can find the, the promises. Uh, no, it's page 11. The promises of the Sacred Heart of Jesus to St. Margaret Mary Alicote for the first Friday. Uh, turn to page 7, please. Uh, this Saturday, not next Saturday, this Saturday, uh, class number 1 for grades 1, 2, 3, and 4. August 9th will be class number, should be class number 1 for grades 5, 6, 7, and 8. Um, and it says there, the last line of that announcement, those who are unable to attend the first class can begin in January 2015. So this has been here since the end of May. 
Uh, I'm going to hear it around August 15th. I'll hear it after Labor Day. I'll hear it in October. I will hear it in November. I will hear it on a plane. I will hear it on a train. Oh, I'm sorry, that's green eggs and ham. Um, I'm going to be hearing it. Uh, when does CCD start? And I'll just say, uh, January. Uh, as if everything's fine, you know. November. When does CCD start? Oh, January. <laughs> just, it's such a, it's such a ridiculous question. In, in November. When does CCD start? Yeah, in January. Uh, you just give it right back. The, uh, in the same tone, it's great. Um, but what if I saw somebody come in to church right now, and I said, oh, they're late. Let's start Mass over. Well, the ushers wouldn't even have to to bother with a collection today, would they? <laughs> and most of you would say, let's get out of here. I'm not doing this again, right? We're not going to start CCD over again. So here's, here's when it starts. If you miss it, for whatever reason, just start in January. Uh, here. That's January will be here. Oh, it's so hot outside. Next you'll be hearing, oh, it's so cold outside. So um, anyway, turn to page 8. You've seen that before. Turn to page 9. This was in last week's bulletin. Um, so I, I gave this great blog um, blog site, but I just misspelled Monopello. So it has two P's in it instead of one. This is, um, this is the veil of St. Mary Magdalene from last Sunday. It's beautiful, isn't it? Um, so you can go to that blog or you can get the book. Now, what you see on the bottom half of page 9, that's new. Uh, St. Mary Magdalene took off the veil um, that was worth a fortune. You can read about it. Uh, she took off the veil that was worth a fortune just before they closed the tomb of Jesus, and she put it on the shroud. Um, no Jew would ever touch that again because of the law of Moses. You can read there. Um, I mentioned this last Sunday, and uh, a friend of mine told me about this uh, man who um, he had $3 million, and he had one day left to live. If that ever happens, if you ever hear about such a man, please give him my telephone number. Um, <laughs> anyway, this man called his three closest friends to his bedside. Um, one was a rabbi, one was a priest, and one was a lawyer. The... Um, I bet they were filming each other. <laughs> anyway, the man said, if I don't, here, I've got my $3 million in cash. If I don't give this money to you, the, the government is going to take my money. Imagine that, the government. That sounds terrible, doesn't it? It is, and it happens all the time. Anyway, the, uh, if I don't give this money away, the government will take it also. Here, you take a million, you take a million, you take a million. I want you to do me a favor. The day I'm buried, I want you to come up one by one and put your money in the casket. I want to take it with me. So the man died. The man died. And just as he predicted, 24 hours later, he died. And the day came for his funeral. And so the rabbi goes up. He's taken quite a while up there. Um, seems to be doing something. And then um, he comes back and sits down. And then the priest goes up. He seems to be up there for quite a while. And um, it must be hard to give up a million dollars after you've held it for a day. Or two, right? The um, and then the, the lawyer goes up after the priest sits down. Then they bury, they close the casket after the lawyer is up there, and um, they bury him. Then the three of them get together, and they're talking. And the rabbi said, "Okay, I confess. Um, yeah, uh, he was out of his mind. I, I gave the money to philanthropic works, uh, good works." Um, and the lawyer looked at him like, "You did what?" 
Um, for once, he had the moral high ground. Um, then the priest said something similar. He said, I thought he was out of his mind, too, so I gave the money to the poor. And the lawyer said, what? You, you two men of the cloth, you did that? And he said, I'll have you know, I went up there and I spoke to him. And just before I turned around to leave, I reached into my pocket. And just before they closed his casket, I put my check in the coffin. And they closed it. Well, I don't guess they were going to cash that check, huh? The, uh, the uh, St. Mary Magdalene, when she took that veil off, she knew she was never getting it back. She, not only did she get it back, she got it back with interest. She got it back with interest. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, then you've got to do some homework there with the, uh, the page nine and that blog spot. It's just tremendous. And which, which leads me to the next page. Um, skip over that page and go to page 12. For the last four weeks, I've made this announcement, a verbal announcement. I'm not going to do it today because it's been four weeks. You've already, you could probably get up here and give it yourself. Uh, so read pages 12 and 8 if you haven't yet heard that announcement. Page 10, um, the, um, the, the Miraculous Medal. Here's the book on the Miraculous Medal I'm reading, and it's a great book. Um, so the number one there on page 10, that's from last week. There was this book by Father Aladel. Uh, number two on page 10, that's brand new. And it's about St. Mary Magdalene. So... Uh, I'm sorry, it's about St. Catherine Labore. You ought to read that. It's really beautiful. Um, St. Catherine Labore was the one to whom Our Lady appeared in 1830 and um, asked her to have the Medal of the Immaculate Conception struck. Um, we know the medal by its uh, shorter name. We call it the Miraculous Medal because it's shorter. So it's the Medal of the Immaculate Conception. And now let me just show you. The, uh, here, on the cover of the bulletin here, um, here is the locus or the site of the Immaculate Conception, St. Anne. Uh, the Immaculate Conception occurred in her womb. Uh, the, um, the, uh, most of, the most important event to that date in the history of the world occurred in the womb of St. Anne, the mother of Our Lady. Uh, the Immaculate Conception is the first moment of the first minute of the first hour of the first day of the nine months that Mary, the Blessed Virgin Mary, uh, lived on earth, and then she was born. And then years later, uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the Blessed Virgin Mary conceived Jesus. And then nine months later, he was born. So you see, uh, it's like a telescope. You, you get a telescope, and then you stretch it out, and you can see very far. Uh, of course, how, how, is, how is it possible for St. Anne to have uh, the Immaculate Conception? Well, um, here, I'll show you where it came from, right here. Right there. You see right there? Every grace and every blessing comes from his most sacred heart. Every blessing that ever came before us, every blessing that is right here now, every blessing that will come after us comes from the sacred heart of Jesus. So if you wonder how, 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 um, that's how, that's how. On the back page of the Bulletin of the Immaculate Heart, uh, Extended Novena begins tomorrow. Uh, so you, you still have time to get it in. Um, and it goes to September 13th. That's the day in September when Our Lady of Fatima appeared to those three children. The, um, and the whole month of August is dedicated to uh, the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Uh, 
thank you for your patience during the announcements. I know they were kind of long today, but um, I'll just get those out of the way. Now for the homily. Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant searching for fine pearls. When he finds a pearl of great price, he goes and sells all that he has and buys it. In the name of the Father, Son, of the Holy Spirit. The um, St. Anne, um, the, the most beautiful roses over there are mother and child. St. Anne and her child Mary. Um, the um, um, St. Anne and St. Joachim, uh, the parents of Mary, um, uh, had a, an extraordinary daughter, uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary. But from all accounts, we, can, we, have, we have nothing in the Gospels about them. Um, but I would imagine, because there's nothing mentioned, they're very ordinary people, just very ordinary people who were cooperating with God's grace. Now, um, this book, The Miraculous Medal, which you can find mentioned in the bulletin, I just mentioned it, in, on page 64, Father Aladell tells us about St. Catherine Labaret. She was the sister Our Lady appeared to. She was 24 years old when Our Lady appeared to her in Paris. So um, here's how Father Aladell describes um, St. Catherine Labaret. Um, she's a poor, young, country girl, uneducated, and without talent. Now, he's, he's not knocking her character. He's, he's describing her to us so that we can understand who she is. She is a poor, young country girl, uneducated, and without talent. She is of solid but simple piety. She has good judgment and a calm, sedate mind. So she's not walking around all the time saying, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. She's, she has a calm and sedate mind. Um, the, uh, this is the woman, this is the young woman Our Lady appeared to in 1830. A poor young country girl, uneducated and without talent, of solid but simple piety, good judgment, and a calm, sedate mind. Doesn't she sound ordinary? You know what she spent her life doing? She remained anonymous up until the very end. Oh, her spiritual director, Father Aladell, knew who she was. But she wanted none of the attention, zero attention, until like the last uh, um, weeks of her life. Then she, she knew she had to come forward and uh, reveal who she was uh, for the good of this mission that Our Lady had given to her the Medal of the Immaculate Conception. Um, so um, um, what you find here is like uh, what you find here. Uh, St. Catherine Labore, just an ordinary woman uh, who spent her days working in, um, well, we call it a nursing home for sailors who were injured or retired. In other words, they had zero money and... Um, they were uh, they need to be taken care of. So she was spending her days and nights changing uh, bedding, emptying uh, toilets, right, uh, feeding uh, people and clothing people, uh, day in and day out, um, just for years. Mothers, you grandmothers, you aunts, you this should all sound very familiar to you, right? Your life um, is made up of things. Not to not to say that fathers don't do these kind of things as well, but mothers get the lion's share. So I thought it was interesting, thought it was interesting to see, because I'm, I'm reading this 
miraculous medal. Uh, a few weeks ago, somebody gave me this book. Um, it's called uh, Pope John the Twenty Third, the Good Pope. Uh, it's not because all the other popes are bad; they're not. But it, they used to call him, um, say, in the 1960s. He died in '63. They used to call him Good Pope John, Good Pope John. Um, and this is by Wyatt North, so it's not that it's not that big of a book. But um, he, he reminds uh, he reminds people who who were alive uh, at that time and alive today. They will see that there's there's a physical resemblance to John the Twenty Third with with Saint with with Pope Francis. There's also a um, there's also a, they also seem to share many characteristics. That's what this author is getting at. Um, in the back of the book, on page uh, 78, um, um, the author tells us about an interview that Pope Francis gave 10 months ago. 10 months ago, September of 2013. Um, now, uh, I'll read it once and then I'll read it again. Um, but listen to how just simple, how ordinary this all sounds, this interview with Pope Francis. It's about his, his daily prayers. Um, this is what he said in the interview. I, I pray the liturgy of the hours every morning. I like to pray with the Psalms. You know, Jesus prayed all 150 Psalms every day. Yeah, the Jews at the time of Jesus, the devout Jews, would pray all 150 Psalms every day. That's what the liturgy of the hours is composed of. Oh, and other readings from the Old and New Testament, but largely the Psalms. So, I, um, I pray the, the liturgy of the hours every morning. I like to pray with the psalms. Then later I celebrate Mass. I pray the rosary. What I really prefer is adoration in the evening. Even, even when I get distracted, even when I think of other things, even when I fall asleep praying, like I think some of you have already fallen asleep here tonight. It's okay, we, don't, we didn't notice, right? Um, he goes on to say, he says, In the evening, then between 7 and 8 o'clock, I stay in front of the Blessed Sacrament for an hour in adoration. That's a holy hour, just like in our bulletin. There's one here every day. It's been like that for a long time. He says, I, But I pray mentally even when I'm waiting at the dentist or at other times of the day. Now, doesn't that sound very ordinary? Why in the world did this author... Put in here what Pope Francis does today in 2013, 2014, because it sounds very similar to what good Pope John did in the 1960s. Um, isn't it interesting when you um, when you read page two, when you read page two in the bulletin, those those five documents from 2001 forward, how what Pope Saint John Paul II and both. John the 23rd and John Paul II were, were made saints on the same day, the Sunday after Easter, 2014. And, gee, what John the 23rd and St. John the 23rd and St. Uh, John Paul II um, and Pope Francis, they seem to be doing the same kind of stuff. Exactly. This, is, this should be ordinary in the life of a Catholic Christian. Well, I can't make it up to church. Well, I, I understand. People are busy. But um, um, we, can, we can adore Christ from uh, a hotel room. 
from um, a desk at home, um, from a, a chair at home. If we just turn off the other models of adoration, right? Um, the, um, it's, it's very ordinary. Um, but let me read this again for effect. It's very short. Um, he, said, he, he, he said in the interview, I pray the, I pray the liturgy of the hours every morning. I like to pray with the Psalms. Then later I celebrate Mass. I pray the Rosary. What I really prefer is adoration in the evening, even when I get distracted and think of other things, or even fall asleep praying. How many how many times people have given themselves permission? I don't I don't pray anymore. I got distracted. Oh really? Um, do you play golf? Well, yeah. You ever get distracted? Yeah. Oh, I got distracted. Throw my clubs away. I'm not. Have you ever been, have you ever driven and you got distracted? Oh, I got distracted while driving. I'm not driving anymore. No, of course not. You get distracted in prayer. That's it. I'm I'm done with prayer. I got distracted one time. <laughs> we are ridiculous, aren't we? They, um, and he's 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 telling us he's telling us these things because I get distracted in prayer. You get distracted in prayer. But he says, in the evening then, between 7 and 8. You notice how he got a little specific there? Between 7 and 8, that's prime time. That's prime time. Between 7 and 8, where is his attention? It's focused on Jesus in the Eucharist. Um, I stay in front of the Blessed Sacrament for an hour in adoration. But I pray mentally, even when I'm waiting at the dentist or at at other times of the day. Yesterday, when I was praying the Liturgy of the Hours... As a priest, I, I must pray the Liturgy of the Hours. Um, I came across these two lines from St. Paul, and maybe you might want to keep them as a screensaver um, because it shows you how ordinary um, our lives should be in an extraordinary way with grace. Uh, St. Paul, it's his letter to the Philippians, chapter 4, verse 8. The, the letter to the Philippians is very short, but it's easy to remember. Four times two is eight. So chapter four, verse eight. This is what St. Paul wrote. Um, My brothers, your thoughts should be wholly directed to all that is true, all that deserves respect, all that is honest, pure, admirable, devout, virtuous, or worthy of praise. Then will the God of peace be with you. You know, St. Paul could have shortened it this way. Uh, My brothers, your thoughts should be wholly directed to Christ. In other writings, he does does say that. But here, instead of saying, your thoughts should be wholly directed to Christ, he tells us, your your thoughts should be wholly directed to all that is true, all all that deserves respect, all that is honest, pure, admirable, decent, virtuous, or worthy of praise. Then will the God of peace be with you. Friends, um, the, the Christian life is for ordinary people. I will never be famous. Uh, uh, I need to break the news to you. You will never be famous. According to the world, you will never be famous. Um, but in the eyes of God, God calls ordinary people to live extraordinary lives. Like the, um, the man, who, the merchant who is searching for fine pearls. When he finds one, he sells everything he has in order to buy it. St. Mary Magdalene, an ordinary woman um, in, in many ways. And what does she do? She, um, she, uh, she takes off her veil and puts it on the dead Christ. 
His breathing had not gotten shallow. He was dead. He was dead. He had been dead for quite a while. And she puts it on his face. She knew she could never get it back. Um, and she was a devout Jew. Uh, the, um, what extraordinary things she did, um, cooperating with God's grace. And so, friends, when, um, when we look at books, I don't, I don't have time to read books. Well, how about just those two lines? I don't have time to read two lines. We don't agree with ourselves. We're, we are ridiculous. I, I include myself. When St. Paul gives us those two lines about how our thoughts should be directed, look how brief it is. But don't people like to have you know uh, it fleshed out sometimes, like in the life of someone like St. Catherine Labore or Pope St. John the Twenty-Third or Pope St. John Paul II or Pope Francis? Somebody says, oh, all those guys are dead. How about Pope Francis? Well, I, exactly. Um, we see this having gone on a long time. And isn't it interesting what, how our Lord finishes today's gospel? He says, uh, every, every scribe, every wise man, every scribe who has been instructed in the kingdom of heaven is like the head of a household who brings from his storeroom both the new and the old. These things on page two, they're new. They're also old. I mean, 2001, as they say, that's so yesterday. But come on, it's still, the paint's still fresh on 2001. Um, when we bring them into our lives, the ordinary becomes extraordinary. And it's amazing the things that happen. Um, the, um, it's amazing the things that God does when people uh, actually take him up on his word. Consider him to be the pearl of great price. And they want to possess him. And they, they sell everything in order to possess that pearl, who is Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and Son of the Holy Spirit.